Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Liberis, Senior Manager, Marketing Operations at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. It's Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there's a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips and best practices, and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. With us today, we are very excited to have a special guest, Executive Vice President of Curriculum Associates, Woody Pack. Welcome, Woody. Thank you so much for being here. If you don't mind just introducing yourself to our listeners, let them know how long you've been at CA and what you did prior. That would be great to kick us off. Uh, great. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Woody Pack. I've been at Curriculum Associates for uh, about 12 years. Um, and uh, originally in life, I was an English teacher, high school level. And then I, uh, oddly enough, moved on and did some sort of technology work. I actually uh, might be dating myself. I actually programmed at COBOL, did some database design and other sorts of funky technology things. And then I worked for um, funny company that does like sort of sales and marketing, the quantitative research for sales and marketing um, executives at mostly really big companies. So um, theoretically, uh, what I do now is a culmination of those pit stops in life, sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of exposure to education, exposure to technology and exposure to kind of getting the word out through different executive channels who ran sales and marketing organizations. Wow. So what got you into education to begin with? I mean, so what, what prompted you to be a teacher? Were you interested in always becoming a teacher or always being in the field of education? Um, I don't know about always, but I mean, I, I definitely had pretty deep connections to some of my teachers. Um, uh, I kept in contact with my senior year English teacher for a long time and still to this day. And, uh, uh, some folks, uh, at Curriculum Associates may have met uh, Dr. Eugene White. Uh, we we worked with him for a little while. He was uh, my high school principal, and he was a bit of an inspiration to me and a bit of a mentor to me when um, when I started working at Curriculum Associates. He um, uh, was the former superintendent of Indianapolis Public Schools and did a number of other uh, interesting things and I continue to keep contact with him today. And for me, I suppose, um, um, as, as a you know, as an immigrant kid from Korea, um, what was obvious to me, although I would have never articulated this way as a kid, was that that country was putting all its eggs in the education basket. And uh, when I was a young kid, it was not a well-known country. It was, has changed in, in, a, in a really uh, raising the country uh, economically, uh, socially, politically. And it's a very, very, very different place um, than I recall as a kid. And so that was part of it. Um, part of it was we have a ton of educators in in our family. And so there was this, um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but like, uh, my parents used to tell me that education was the only path effectively to success. And that if I didn't succeed in education, basically I was, you know, doomed to a life of misery. I mean, more or less, right. I mean, I don't know if that's the right parenting technique, but, um, one of the stories they told me often was, uh, it's a very long story, but my grandfather was chased out of Japanese-occupied Korea for promoting the idea that 
uh, people should continue to speak the Korean language and speak and study Korean history and these sorts of things. And he he was tipped off by some American missionaries and who, who were dear family friends of ours forever. And he escaped through the Chinese border and was caught at the border. And he was interrogated for hours. And he, was, uh, he didn't have a lot of food or water. It was very uncomfortable. He was very tired. And he had to pretend like he was a uh, Chinese citizen. He had to fake it, right? Because uh, otherwise he wasn't allowed to be there. And um, he had to speak the language fluently. He had to have knowledge of what's going on in China, politically, history, I mean, you name it. Um, and he was able to do that because he was a tremendous student. He spoke many languages. He had, had studied many, many things. And there was, you know, I would have never thought about it this way as a kid, but when I heard that story, that was my parents odd way of sort of motivating us like telling us weird stories like that right but like when i heard that and, and he, he fooled him and he, he got out of there and uh, there was there was a sense that there was a uh, part of it was sort of book smarts if you will mm -hmm. but there was a little bit of like street smarts like he was tipped off by some friends he escaped to this you know all these sorts of adventures and then um one of the one of the uh, sidebar anecdotes was that he had to pretend not to speak Korean, right? Mm -hmm. Because it wouldn't have made sense for a, a Chinese farmer, which I believe what he was posing as, to speak Korean. So when he was very tired, not treated well, hungry, they came in several times and screamed at him, I, mean, I think more than once, in obscenities in Korean. And he had to pretend not to understand, right? So there was a sense of like, you know, book smarts and street smarts, if you will, and my, you know, the message I received from my family was like that, you know, that saved your family. Like you're not here unless you figure out a way, figure out a way out of that mess, right? Um, so there was a sense that it lifted it. the country. Was a sense that it was uh, uh, the the only way to feel proud and successful was through education. I'm not saying that's the right way to think about the world. I'm just saying that was the way uh, I was told, and then. Then we just had, you know, in my family, we had a lot of really good students and a lot of teachers and professors. And it was, um, you know, the, the, the thing that felt most equivalent to, you know, you know in, in some families, maybe, I don't know, I went to an undergraduate school with a big business school. And there was some sense in those families that like money and status and titles was a thing, right? Mm -hmm. In our family, it was, you're a professor, are you a teacher? What, how good of a student? I mean, that was... That was the way in which, you know, culturally, in my little world, uh, all success was measured, right? And, and sort of reinforced by, you know, um, my great schooling experience, frankly, and, you know, Korean obsession with education, my family's obsession, and, and everything else. And so uh, I think it just naturally led to wanting to teach. So when I was an undergrad, I, I spent all my time doing the West Philadelphia tutoring project and, the, you know, various internship and volunteer programs, and, you know, doing things at certain schools. And even when I left teaching, like I still taught junior achievement. I still was sort of, you know, a bunch of things like that. Right? Everything you said was amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. I mean, a lot of families who are deep education families can relate to what you're sharing. And it sounds like in a way education saved your great grandfather, great grandfather, grandfather, grandfather grandfather's life. I mean, and his yeah. ability to 
read a room and be able to do all the things you shared. So, so let's fast forward to today. What is your biggest hope for educators now, given it's been clearly the most challenging, interesting, unique time ever, because I've been in education 20 years myself, and it's never seen anything like this. But where, uh, so a lot of educators who listen to our podcast like to find inspiration. So what's something that you're looking forward to in education currently? Well, I mean, I, I suppose the number one thing I've thought about recently during the pandemic is potentially a blessing or maybe a curse, right? Depending on how you look at the world, right? Like, so the thing about my experience growing up and what I understood about, uh, you know, my family's history and my, 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 um, my, my original nationality and all these sorts of things, uh, th- there was definitely a sense that education was definitely a team sport. Like it's the whole country. It's the whole family. It's the whole community. It's the whole neighborhood. Right. I mean, so I, I don't, you know, I haven't checked recently, but I was in Korea once uh, during the equivalent of their, uh, effectively the equivalent of their state te- uh, test day, right? On the test day, I mean, I actually, I should probably look this up. I don't even know if this is true anymore, but like stock markets close. There are very few flights. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to honk your horn. You're not even supposed to speak loudly because the kids are supposed to focus, right? Now, you know, I think there's a lot wrong with that, by the way. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure that I would advocate that level of focus on that test and the type of test and a bunch of other things, right? But culturally, the idea that it's a team sport uh, is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and, and, and it's clearly part of the success and it's clearly part of the drive and ambition that's best, that in, is embedded in that culture, right? Um, so when I say it's a blessing and a curse, I think in many sense, you know, it's very possible that one of the implications of the pandemic is that it does feel more like a team sport um, as a country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that when I say it's a curse, it's because, um, you know, uh, we Americans are uh, uh, opinionated people, right? Um, and, um, and, and sometimes that can cause a lot of friction in terms of different opinions about what that means to be a team sport. Um, so there, there's, you know, it's not, it's not that easy, but that, that, that concept, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I wasn't a teacher for that long, but I do recall feeling a little bit like it's my fault the kid's not performing. How, how about it's our fault? You know what I mean? How about it's our win? How about it's our, you know, like, you know, I, I think in, in particular today, I think sometimes teachers feel like they're on an island, right? And I think mm-hmm. sometimes educators do as well. And that's not the way it should be, right? Um, and um, so I think about that. And um, the other thing I think about, which I think, Danielle, you're aware I'm focused on is like, I'm a big fan of um, what what has been titled, I think, in a couple of papers I read out in California, uh, what I would call positive outliers. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to know and do everything I can to support anyone, anything, any classroom, any kid, any school, any districts um, that is exceeding uh, the expectations we associate with their zip code. That's all I want, right? Because, um, you know, what we hear about so much is... Um, uh, how overwhelmingly data tells us the sad story about mm-hmm. the, about populations and groups of people and certain environments or certain kids or certain races or certain income brackets or certain language or whatever the thing is. We hear this sort of like, it's this overwhelming force of data, conclusions about how it's not possible. 
And I wish there were the reciprocal, that, 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 that there was that much weight and effort and enthusiasm focused on the opposite, because it does happen and it can happen, right? And um, I, I'm hopeful that we can focus on those things and understand uh, that great things are possible um, and that every day kids beat the pants off of whatever their environment suggests that they're capable of achieving, right? So, I mean, those are the two things I, I would love to hear more about, understand better, study more. Like, you know, I, um, you know, I, I don't need to, I, you know, I, I, I'd rather focus on that, a way to win mm -hmm. versus uh, re-articulating um, where we're losing, right? Uh, I think we understand where we're losing. Right. Uh, um, so to the degree, you know, um, I think about our products, I think about our services, I think about people I know, I think about great school districts and schools. And all I want to do is um, make sure that those folks get their due attention um, to inspire and to make people believe that great things are possible regardless of the environment or situation. It's so true. They're happening, but we don't hear about them often enough. And then to go back to your first point, I think, generally speaking, when school buildings closed for the first time, a lot of people, whether they were family members or you know other caretakers or whatnot, had a much greater respect for what teachers do every single day because they learned firsthand what they had to do at home. And so hopefully that will continue. I don't think we'll ever reach a point where the whole entire culture is as, as grounded in it, but it's just nice to know that the respect is there and it's, it's changing. And so, um, Thank you, Woody, yeah. for being here. Um, that is all we have time for today, but we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your story. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You can follow along as always on Twitter at Curriculum Asoche and on Instagram at MyIReady and be sure to tag us in your post so we can see the work you do. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest or want to be a guest, please email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. Please be sure to subscribe where you listen to podcasts and review an episode if you feel inclined so we can reach more educators. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.